So we're looking at Ruth chapter 2. Now last week, or last month when I did it, because it's been a monthly series, we worked through and we looked at the names or the characteristics of God in the first half of it. So the journey through Ruth as they'd come back and, and we looked at just the name and the characteristics of God. And uh, I've been asking my kids this past month, can you remember the names of God that we spoke about? So I'm going to put everyone to the test. Can anyone remember the names of God that we spoke about? Kira, you can give one. No, you can do one. <laughs> okay, you, I'll come back to you, Caleb. My provider. My God is my provider. That's what we looked at last week. And, and in the book of Ruth and in the life of Ruth, we really saw that God is the God who provides. And God is the God who provided for Ruth and Naomi. Xander, what was the second one we looked at last week? And what does that mean? God is my guide. And remember, God guided Ruth into Boaz's field. And God guided the life of Ruth and Naomi in the midst of it. Now, if we pick up Ruth, Ruth and Naomi, Ruth is Naomi's daughter-in-law. Remember, Naomi and her husband left their country and went into the, a foreign nation. While they were there, they had children. While they were there, the children or her husband died. Her children got married, her children died, and she was left with two daughters-in-law. She heard that the famine in her land had ceased, had passed, and she was going to come back into um, Israel, into Bethlehem. And they were going to come back there, and she told her daughters-in-law, don't come back with me, it's a foreign country, you go back to your family. And Ruth said, no, where you go, I go, and where, where you die, I will die, and your God will be my God. And your people, my people. And so she went back with Naomi. And Ruth and Naomi returned very, very poor. Incredibly poor, which is important because that gives us the essence of the story here. And they returned at the beginning of barley harvest. And remember, we, we know that that time is a time that the uh, nation of Israel actually celebrate the Feast of First Fruits, which is prophetic about Christ's resurrection. And so the time that we're looking at is post-Christ's resurrection. That's the time, the setting, that's the spiritual prophetic word that we're looking at here as well. We also need to remember that Naomi represents Israel, the nation of Israel. And Ruth represents, can anyone remember? Ruth represents the church. That's exactly right. And so Naomi and Ruth, one representing the nation of Israel, one representing the church, or the Gentile believers, both children of God. And then we've been introduced to Boaz. And Boaz later on is called the kinsman redeemer, and he represents Jesus Christ, our redeemer. And last month we were introduced to the Holy Spirit, the unnamed servant, who actually introduced Boaz to Ruth, who will become married. Does that not sound like our marriage to the Christ as well? And so there's lots of things going on here in the book of Ruth. And there's other characters that we'll be introduced to today. But Kira, I said I would come back to you. What is the name or the character of God that we're going to be looking at today? Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. And what does that mean? My peace. My God is my peace. Yes, Sander. 
What's that? No, no, they've been calling it Jehovah Shalot because they think it sounds like Shalot. My God is my onion. But uh, that's not what it is. It's my God is my peace. Jehovah Shalom. And so that's what we're going to look at. Not that it uses that phrase there, but we're going to look at what is provided, what happens in the story in the context here today. And we'll see without that, we would not experience God's peace. Um, Will you pray with me before we get into it? Father, we want to thank you for the people sitting here. We want to thank you for your word, which we know brings light, which we know brings peace, which we know guides us and provides for us. Father, I just pray this morning as we look at your word, as we work through the book of Ruth, Lord, that you will be with us and you'll be ministering to our hearts, speaking to us. May your words be the words that we are left with. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting to know that in the book of Ruth, you need to understand three laws from the Old Testament, three laws associated with the nation of Israel in order to effectively understand what's going on in the book of Ruth. The first law is the law of gleaning, and I think I've spoken about that before. So in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, it actually sets out that for those people, those farmers that were there, that they, when it came to harvest time, that they were not to harvest right to the edge of their field. They were to cut corners. And the reason for that is so that the foreigners, those people journeying through, and the poor could actually come along and glean that which was left over and that they could thereby survive. In Leviticus 19, it says, When you harvest your grain, always leave some of it standing along the edges of your field and do not pick up what falls on the ground. So as their servants are walking along gleaning and they're leaving edges of the field and they're cutting corners, if they happen to actually drop stuff out of the stuff, their bundles and it falls on their ground, they're not allowed to bend down and pick it up. They have to leave it for the poor people who will come after and thereby allowing them to live. And that was like their, um, you know, we have the government provides us welfare. That was like their welfare payment. But they had to get off their backsides and they had to go out and, and collect it themselves. But there was provision made for it. Interestingly enough, it says in Deuteronomy, if you forget to bring in a stack of harvested grain, don't go back in the field to get it. Leave it for the poor, including foreigners, orphans and widows, and the Lord will make you successful in everything you do. So as they're going out and gleaning, they're doing it by hand, remember. They're cutting the grain. It's not like we have, they have all the equipment that we have now. They're cutting the grain and they're bundling it up. And so they get these big bundles And if they happen to leave one of these big bundles after they've collected and cut and and left it out in the field, they weren't allowed to go back and get that. And so you wouldn't want me to be one of your servants because I'm very forgetful. Uh, They wouldn't make much money. All of their profits would be left in the field for the poor people and literally not allowed to go back and pick it up. That's one of the laws. And so that's what we've been looking at because Ruth said to Naomi early in chapter 2, I'm going to go out and glean in the fields. I'm going to go out... And it says that the Spirit guided her to the farm of Boaz. There's two other laws as well that we need to understand, but we don't need to look at them today because they're going to be followed on in in chapter 3 and chapter 4. But I'll mention what they are. Uh, There's the law of redemption, which means that if you're poor and you sell your land, then a family member can go and redeem it or buy it back for you. And in fact, if you have to sell yourself as a servant or a slave to another person, then a family member can go and redeem and buy you back 
as well. So there's the law of redemption. And we'll see that being played out in chapter 3 and 4. And then there's also the law of the Leverite marriage as well, which means that if uh, you're married to someone and, and your husband dies before you have any children, then it's the responsibility of the brother or the close relative to actually take you in so that you can have children so that the family name can carry on. And so that's, and you see that being played out in chapter 4 also. And, and we'll look at that more later on. But I want to look at uh, sorry, Ruth chapter 2 starting at verse 8. And we'll read a couple of verses and then we'll talk about it a little, little bit more. So verse 8 and 9. Then Boaz, remember Boaz uh, is a type of Christ, of Jesus. Then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go and glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay by close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. And so here we can see Boaz is engaging it uh, Ruth and saying, Ruth, I don't want you to go off and glean in another field. So typically uh, the poor people wouldn't go back to the same fields all the time. They didn't want to become a burden. And so they would go to one farmer's field this day and then they would go off to another one and share, share the load effectively. And Boaz comes along and he actually pronounces here three provisions that he wants to give to Ruth. And the first provision that he gives, the first blessing that he gives, is he actually offers her protection. He actually says to Ruth, I want you to come to my field, into my domain, into my place, and I will protect you. Because I cannot protect you if you go out into other fields. But if you come here, I will protect you. And in fact, I will make sure that my men do not touch you. And more than that, and you don't catch the glimpse of this in the English, but in the original Hebrew, my men will watch over you. Boaz offers Ruth his protection. In fact, in Genesis chapter 15, it says, Later the Lord spoke with Abram in a vision. Abram, do not be afraid. I will protect you and reward you greatly. You see, one of the things that God offers his people is always his protection. And we will look at later one of the reasons that that is. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Be ready. Let the truth be like a belt around your waist and let God's justice protect you like armor. His justice will protect us like armor, something that we wear, something that we put on, something that we are clothed in. And Boaz here is offering to Ruth, who is a type of Gentile believer, type of church. Jesus says to us in the same way, I will protect you. I will protect you. In 2 Thessalonians, it says that the Lord can be trusted to make you strong and protect you from harm. First Peter, and I love this, have faith in God whose power will protect you until the last day. Then he will save you just as he always planned to do. His plan is always for us to walk in his protection. 
You see, he guides us into the places and when we respond to him, we walk in his protection. And that's what we see here with Ruth, that Boaz offers his protection to her and says, I want you to come back so that I can continue to protect you. The second provision that Boaz offers is food. Come and glean in my fields. Come and gather up the grain from my fields because I want to feed you. I want you to have food. Interestingly enough, what does food represent spiritually in the Bible? Salvation. Boaz the Christ is saying, I want to give you salvation. I will provide you salvation. In John chapter 6, it says... Don't work for food that spoils, work for food that gives eternal life. The Son of Man will give you this food because God the Father has given him the right to do so. What exactly does God want us to do? The people responded. And Jesus answered, God wants you to have faith in the one he sent. They replied, what miracle will you work for us so that we can have faith in you? What will you do? For example, when our ancestors were in the desert, they were given manna to eat. It happened just as the scriptures said. Say, God gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus told them, I tell you for certain that Moses wasn't the one who gave you bread from heaven. My father is the one who gives you true bread from heaven. And the bread that God gives is the one who came down from heaven to give life to the world. The people said, Lord, give us this bread and don't ever stop. And Jesus replied, I am the bread that gives life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry again. Food represents eternal life. Boaz is saying to Ruth, Jesus is saying to us, the church, I want to give you salvation. Interestingly enough, what is it that Ruth is gleaning but grain, grain makes bread? Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. You see, Jesus offers three things that we're seeing here. The three things that Boaz offers. The first is protection. The second is salvation. And the third, he says in chapter, in verse 9, it says, And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Water or drink. What does water or drink represent? What does drink represent in the Bible? The Word of God. The Word of God can represent many things, but here in this context, it's the Word of God. In Psalm 42, it says, As a deer pants, as a deer gets thirsty, sorry, this is from the contemporary English, I'm used to a different version. As a deer gets thirsty for streams of water, I truly am thirsty for you, my God. In my heart, I am thirsty for you, the living God. When will I see your face? See, thirst represents a desperation to know God, a desperation to see God, a desperation to see him active in your life. John John chapter 4, Jesus answered, you don't know what God wants to give you and you don't know who he's asking. And this is in the context of the Samaritan woman who meets Jesus at the well. And Jesus says, can I have a drink of water? And she's saying, you're not, not supposed to ask me for that. And he says, you, you don't know who's asking you for a drink. If you did know, you would ask me for the water that gives life. 
Sir, the woman said, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this life-giving water? Our ancestor Jacob dug this well for us and his family and animals got water from it. Are you greater than Jacob? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again. But no one who drinks the water I will give will ever be thirsty again. The water I give is like a flowing fountain that gives eternal life. In Ephesians chapter 5, in case you're doubting that water represents the word of God, it says in Ephesians 5 verse 26, that he might sanctify it, having cleansed it by the washing of water with the word. The word of God. This is life giving. This is what Boaz is saying. Come to me and I will offer you protection, salvation and the word of God which brings life. Does that not sound like what Jesus says to us? Jesus, the one who came and entered into our world, did he not do so so that we could be offered protection, salvation and have the word of God, which Romans chapter 1 says, bring salvation. That's pretty exciting. If you read the book of Romans, at a ca- uh, book of Ruth, sorry, as a casual glance, you'll often overlook and miss these components. It's interesting, a lot of people think that the main character in the book of Ruth is Ruth herself. But Ruth is not the main character. In the same way, you and I are not the main character in life. Jesus Christ is the main character. And Boaz in the book of Ruth is the main character. In fact, later on in chapter 3, he will say to Ruth, Hey Ruth, go sit this one out. Let me go and do work for you. Let me sort this out for you. Let me go and look, follow through on the law of salvation, on the law of redemption, sorry, and I will redeem you and I will restore your property. And it actually says, uses the word, Ruth, go rest. What does Jesus say to us? I will redeem you. Go rest in me. That's what we're seeing here. We're seeing a glimpse of Jesus Christ. And he is the type of what the work he wants to do in our lives. And so Boaz says to Ruth, I want to offer you protection. I want to offer you salvation. And I want to offer you the word of God, which will bring life. Are these not the ultimate provisions? And Jesus Christ gives them to us. It is only through these that we can know his peace. How can you know peace without his protection, without his salvation, and without his word of God, without his word? Which blesses and quenches our souls. He is our peace and he provides to us way more than we ever could have asked. Way more than we ever could have asked. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 10. And she fell on her face. This is Ruth. So this is after Boaz has offered her protection, salvation and, and, and the word of God. Ruth fell on her face, bowed down to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Why have you taken favor, shown favor upon me? I'm different. I'm from a different I'm not of the people of Israel, of the chosen group. 
And we can ask the same question ourselves. We are Gentiles. We are different. God chose to reveal himself through the nation of Israel. And yet he extended that and said, I want to include everyone. And he showed his favor upon all of us. In verse 11, Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. Why have I found favor? And Boaz responds and gives three reasons. Boaz responds and gives three reasons as to why. In fact, I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message as he paraphrased this. He says, Boaz's response is, I've heard all about you. Isn't that the truth? Jesus has heard all about us. In the New King James Version, it actually says, I have been, it has been fully reported to me. You see, Jesus so cares about you that he sends his messengers out. He sends his angels out to watch over. And he says to them, I want you to report back to me because I want to know what's going on. I want to know what's going on. I want to know how Grant is tracking. Report back to me. And Boaz says, it's been fully reported to me. Everything that you've done. And he gives three, three reasons and it's the same for us. There's no negative here. There's nothing here that says, well, Ruth, you should have seen what she was like as a junior. You should have seen what she's done. You should see what her thought life is. You should see. See, that's not the stuff that gets reported back. When you find salvation in Jesus Christ, the only things that he sees is his goodness flowing through you. He doesn't see your sinfulness. He sees his righteousness poured out upon you. And the three things that are reported back. The first one, because of the, how you have treated Naomi. The first response is because of how you have treated Naomi. Now, who, what does Naomi represent? The nation of Israel. What does it say in Genesis chapter 12? It says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. In response to Abraham and his nation and he represents Israel. And he gives them the blessings. And what are the blessings? Food, protection, eternal life, and the word of God. In Joel chapter 3, it says, All nations will be judged how you treat Israel. And then in Obadiah, and I love this, and this is something a lot of people overlook. You see, in Genesis chapter 12, it says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. In, in Obadiah chapter 1, and the context is Edom's violence against Jacob, who represents the nation of Israel. It says, as you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reward shall return on your head. As you have done. So if you put those two together, how you bless Israel is how you will be blessed. How you curse Israel is how a nation will be cursed. You look at it. Look at Egypt. What did Egypt try to do to Israel? Tried to drown them, pushed them into the flooded river, didn't they? tried to wipe them out completely. What happened to Pharaoh and his army and the power got drowned, got washed away completely. And the power of Israel has never, of Egypt, sorry, has never returned. We'll look at one more. Look at Rome. 
What did Rome try to do? What did Rome actually more than tried successfully did to the nation of Israel? Tried to scatter it to the ends of the earth. What happened to Rome? What language do we speak? English, which is a derivative of Latin, which is the the language that the Romans spoke then. Rome has been scattered to the ends of the earth. Look at the architecture, the Italian architecture that's around the world. The power was lost from Rome itself, who was the, the powerful, and it got scattered and broken up. Interestingly enough, God is bringing Israel back together now and has been for some time. Rome has been trying to come back together through the European Union and its power, but its power will never be completely restored and we're actually seeing the falling apart of the European Union before our eyes right now where people are walking away and it will never come back in its full glory because of what they did to Israel. So as a nation, it's important for us in Australia to constantly see how can we bless the nation of Israel. That does not mean that Israel is always right. But we do need to ask, how do we bless Israel? Because they are God's chosen people. Interestingly enough, and pray for Scott Morrison, he has said we would like to move our embassy to, to Jerusalem. Pray that he follows through. Interestingly enough, that his deputy leader, whose name escapes me this minute, Josh Frydenberg, thank you very much, is a Messianic Jew also. So we've got a Christian as the Prime Minister and his deputy leader is a Messianic Jew. Pray that they will continue to follow through and bless the nation of Israel because then we will see God's blessing come out upon this nation. And God is not done with this nation. God is not done with this nation. I'm getting a little bit sidetracked here, so let's get back to the book of Ruth. The second reason that Ruth, uh, that Boaz blessed Ruth and Ruth found favour in Boaz's eyes The next two are closely linked, so we'll look at them together. The second one is because you left your father and your mother, your people and your country. And the third one is that you came to a people whom you did not know. So she left her country and came into another nation, into another people group that she didn't know. You see, it's interesting. When I give myself to Jesus Christ, when I believe in Jesus Christ, Do you know what happens? Literally, and and it's symbolic in, in baptism, we lay down our life and we die. And the old self, the sinful nature, dies. And when we come up, we're a new creation. And it's symbolic because in that moment, we leave the things of the old. You see, I am a proud Australian, very proud Australian. But when I gave my life to Jesus Christ and acknowledged him as Lord and Saviour, I died and was risen again as a new creation and my citizenship is now in heaven. I have entered a new country where my citizenship is in heaven. That's where I belong. That is my new country. And I entered into a new family and a new country. And I left my friends and my family in, in the spiritual Luckily for me, my friends and some of my, fa- some of my friends and family have come on this journey with me into the new country. But that's what happens when you allow yourself to submit to Jesus Christ and come under his wings. You die to the old and you become new. You leave the old and you enter into the new. And he welcomes us into his family. 
And he provides blessing and provision. And in fact, if you go back to the first provision that he's provided, it was protection, was it not? We looked at protection. What is the number one responsibility of any government to their citizens? Although, if you look at the countries and the governments of today, they kind of forget it. The number one responsibility is to provide protection to their citizens. And God takes that seriously. Far more seriously than our own government does. Far more seriously than governments around the world do. That he provides it to us. He gives it to us. He prioritizes it. He protects his citizens. God offers to protect us because we are part of his citizenship in the new country of heaven. A part of his family. And he takes that charge seriously. How good is that? How good is that? It all links. And then in verse 12. The Lord repay your work full, repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. And so in verse 11, Boaz says, These are the reasons why I've given you those provisions. And then he goes on and pronounces a blessing. He goes, I'm going to provide protection, salvation, and the word of God because you have entered into my country. He goes, and so I am going to bless you more. It just keeps going. What he gives to us continues to flow. And in fact, there's two blessings here. The first one is a pronouncement is to be repaid for the work that she had done. So the first blessing is that you will be rewarded for the work that you have done. What had she done? She cared and loved for Naomi. In this context, though, Naomi represents more than just the nation of Israel. Naomi is poor. She's a parent. She's another person. She's a neighbor. And we have reward for our actions. Is that not consistent with all of Scripture? God says, go out and serve. And as you serve doing that, you're not just serving them, you're serving me. And as you serve me, I will repay you and I will reward you. And the second one, and I love this, the second blessing. So the first one is the Lord repay you for your work and a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Reward you a full blessing. You see, in the you kind of miss it here, but in the original Hebrew, there are two distinct blessings. One is to repay for what you have done. The second one is just a full reward be given to you because you've come under the God's wings. That's it. You haven't done anything to earn it. But God, Boaz says, I'm going to bless you just because you came to me. How good is that? Isn't it good that Ruth represents us because we see what God is doing to us? A full reward, a separate blessing, not linked to actions, but just because she comes under the wings of God, who is our refuge? And the same is true if you have submitted your life to Jesus Christ. You have come under his refuge. And he says, because you have come under my refuge, because you have asked for salvation, because you believe in me, I will give you a full reward. I will bless you in every area of your life. I will continue to bless you. I will bless you and bless you again. Psalm 116. I love this. Listen to this. Psalm 116, verse 12 and 13, for those who who are taking notes or want to follow along. The psalmist says, what shall I render to the Lord? Or what shall I give to, back to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? He's saying, the Lord's blessed me. 
He's blessed me in every way. What do I give back to him? How do I give back to someone who continuously blesses me? And his response is, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. How, what do I do? What do I give back to him? There's nothing. Because a spiritual truth here, a biblical truth is that the greater always blesses the lesser. The greater always blesses the lesser. Jesus Christ is the greater. You and I, as much as you think of yourself, we are the lesser. And the greater always blesses. And so what do we give back to him? God says, put yourself in a position to receive. What I want you to do is I want you to receive and I want you to receive more. So call upon me more. And take of the cup of salvation. Because I want to pour it out. I want to give you more and more and more. And that is what we see in the book of Ruth. How good is that? Is that not worth an amen? Amen. It is good. What do I give back to the God who's given me everything? Nothing. I'm going to take from the cup of salvation and I'm going to call upon his name again because I want to receive because that's what he's created me to do. To receive his blessings. In fact, in 2 Peter chapter 2, sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2, it says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the how? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Not in the doing, not in the serving, but in the knowledge. Not just the knowing of, but in the deep-rooted knowing and submitting. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowing of God and of Jesus Christ. And yet what did Boaz give to Ruth? Protection, salvation and the word of God. How do you know God? Through his word. He says, come to the word because I want to bless you even more. I want to offer, multiply grace and peace to you through the word which I will give to you. Again, I say we're not the main players. Boaz, Jesus Christ, is the main player in the midst of our life who constantly gives to us again and again and again and says, I want to give you a full reward because I love you. Because you chose to find refuge in me. Verse 13, I think this is the last verse we'll look at. Then she said, she is is Ruth, then she says, Let me find favour in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, even though I am not like your maidservants, one of your maidservants. It looks in here as though Ruth is pleading with Boaz to find favour or grace in his eyes. But again, the English translation doesn't do justice to the original Hebrew. She's not saying that at all. Her response is one of thankfulness. Thank you that I have found such favor and grace in your eyes. And that is the response. That is the biblical response that Christ wants us to have. Just to be thankful. Just to say, thanks God for all the blessings. Thanks God for everything that you have given me. Thank you God for your protection. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you Jesus for the word of life. Thank you for the full blessing that you have poured out upon my life. That is our response. And right there, you have the gospel message found in the Old Testament in the book of Ruth. How amazing is that? Is that not good? It's great, isn't it? 
God is our peace. He is our shalom. He is the provi- he is the provider of protection, of salvation, of the word of God and all blessings therein. How do you have peace without him? You can't. Remember, we've talked about the peace of God. There's two types of God. Peace, sorry. There's two types of peace. There's the peace with God, which God chooses to bring to us that we may have a good relationship to us when he gives us his righteousness and restores the relationship with us when we choose to submit and come find refuge in him. And the second one is the peace of God, his peace dwelling in us, which we find as we work through here because of the salvation and his protection that he already gives us. It's a phenomenal God that we have. It's a phenomenal saviour that we have. Next week we'll carry on from here. But I want you to know the blessings don't stop there. The blessings are just starting that we will see in the book of Ruth. So if you want to know what other blessings there are to be found in the book of Ruth, come back next week and hear about that because it's literally just starting. It's really exciting stuff. And you see, just as the Holy Spirit, we've looked at the three names of God. We've looked at he is my guide, he is my provider, and he is my peace. You see, as we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in our lives, he will provide for you in such mighty and magnificent ways that you can rest in his peace. How good is that? And he is the one who guides, and he is the one who provides, and he is the one in whom we rest to get our peace because of Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross and because you came and found refuge in him. Will you pray with me? Father, I want to thank you for the goodness of your son. I want to thank you for everything that he has done for us. And as we look to Boaz, I want to thank you that we see Jesus Christ. And as we look to Ruth, I want to thank you that we see ourselves and everything that Jesus Christ has given us. Father, I thank you for for your provision. I thank you that you choose to protect us, that you gave us salvation and you have given us the word of God that blesses us in so many ways and so richly. I just want to acknowledge you again that you truly are our God and we find salvation in you and we choose to find our refuge in you. And just while everyone's heads, eyes are closed and heads are bowed, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ to be your refuge, this is your opportunity You can receive him whenever, wherever you are. You have that opportunity. You might have been going to church all of your life, but you've never truly in the depths of your heart said, Jesus, you are my saviour. I want to say today is your opportunity. Or maybe you're someone who is young, who hasn't been around often who may have heard of the message of Jesus or may not have heard the message of Jesus. Again, this is a time that you can receive him in your heart. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you came and you laid down your life and you died for me, shedding your blood that I may come into your family. I want to thank you that you laid down your life, that I could find salvation and I choose you now, Jesus. And I thank you that I am now part of your family 
And if I'm a part of your family, I receive your blessings. I receive your protection. I receive your salvation. And I receive the word of God that you place in my heart. Salvation is for everyone. Because like Ruth, she was not one of that family. And you may not have known. And Jesus says, I want to welcome you into my family. So if you don't know Jesus and you've prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to come and speak to me after. Father, thank you for your goodness that you receive us all. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Why have I found favour in your eyes? Because you chose to come and have refuge under my wings. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or if you chose to accept salvation through Jesus Christ, I'd love for you to come and chat with me after this service or even while we sing the benediction just now. Let's sing.